Were you guys uh, Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network guys as, uh, as kids? Cartoon Network. Really? I'm a huge SpongeBob guy, so I got to be Nickelodeon. So there. I was a Nickelodeon guy. Um, I saw something today. Um, Nickelodeon. <laughs> they are making there's going to be a live action fairly odd parent series oh no yes. what let's go that actually yes. could be pulled i think Here that could comes be pulled off, the it's, it's got it's got to be hybrid i think like like wanda like what? cosmo and wanda they got to be animated in a real life setting you know what i, I mean oh okay i, I wish it did a crimson shin spinoff but like seeing oh that would be oh, sick too <laughs> yes. that, that would be cool he deserves his own movie movie <laughs> the Crimson Shin movie. Big time. TV Put movie or actual movie? I like the idea of seeing Mr. Crocker in live action just gives me... Very good, parents! Who would, <laughs> who would be a good... Oh, uh, Mr. Levinston as like uh, Tim Timmy's oh, dad or something Tim like that. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Who would be a good in that role? I think a that live dude. action... Dude, the guy from Seinfeld. Warburton. Patrick Warburton should be. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Turner's dad. That's a good I one. Think, I think Better Jimmy Neutron would be pretty good too. Like a live action? Yeah, I think because yeah, it would be like sci fi, you know? I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. That'd be a good I one. See I like hair. the movie. His hair in real life? That'd be tough. Oh, yeah, that'd be hilarious. Person that would with makeup be... in... Yeah. The oh, person God. with makeup and design should get an Emmy for that. <laughs> oh, and speaking of, I know, uh, whatever, we were talking about Everybody Loves Raymond. What was it? Ray's uh, Ray Romano's like brother in that. He looks like he should. He looks Brad like Timmy's Garrett. dad. Brad, yeah, yeah. He looks. He looks like that guy too. Someone's gotta play Chet Yobetcho. Very good, Burns. Really good, Burns. <laughs> oh, shiny teeth than me. Oh, Chip Skylark. Zac Efron should be Chip Skylark. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Don't. That would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Our teeth can sparkle just like Christmas. Vicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who plays Vicky? Um, what's her, I, what's her face? The one who's not Anna Kendrick. The other one. What's what, oh, what, a, what's her name? What's Anna, what's, Anna Kendrick? What's, 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 what's her? What's the one not an ex? Anna Aubrey Plaza. Vicky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, she'd be really good too. Wow. Yeah, that's, I think that's a good one. Aubrey Plaza would be the best one. Just need the dyer hair red or whatever. Icky Vicky, awesome Icky. <laughs> this is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 45, take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 45th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode of the Drive-In, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our spoiler review of Amazon's The Tomorrow War, and then we have our top billing draft of Action Stars. So use the bathroom now, grab your popcorn, and enjoy the 45th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Boys, 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 episode 45 of the drive-in has arrived. Ricky Flex, we got to start off hot right now. What shirt are you wearing there? I see Kelly. Well, like, why don't you show that off to the YouTube right here? What, oh, do you yeah. got, what are you wearing right there? I got Saved by the Bell, Kelly Kapowski. Ooh, Nez has a similar shirt. Yeah, Nez I have a Kelly a Kapowski a Kelly shirt. Kapowski. 
that I always get compliments in. If I wear it out, I'll get at least one compliment on my Kelly Kapowski shirt whenever I go out. And I'm assuming it's the same for you, right? Have to. Uh, or no, I do. I do. But I think for me, I loved Saved by the Bell watching that when I was younger. Obviously, I wasn't alive when it actually aired. But when it was on those TBS reruns, had to get this shirt, had to cop it from Movie Realties. I know, Dr. O, you're wearing, I think you're wearing one too. So I want people to kind of judge. Maybe they go by, go on the YouTube, check out the episode. Who's got the better shirt? I think Ricky Flix has an edge just because it has the fact, just by the fact he has Kelly Kapowski on his shirt, an icon. But I have an icon myself, Tony Montana. Starface, wow. Hey, who's the bad and guy? Where'd you get, where'd you get the who's shirt? Who's the bad him? guy? Yeah, no, we Movie got them from Real Tees. Yeah, R E E L. Really cool. They have like a huge selection, actually. They have like 500, 600 shirts or whatever. Like really cool shirts. And they have like, I was debating between this one and a bunch of Sandlot ones. And they had some good like Batman DC ones too, I, w- I was debating with. But Saved by the Bell Nostalgia got me. I'll make sure to uh, when when the when the blog goes up for this episode, I'll make sure to put the link in the, at, at the bottom yes. right next to the um, right next to the episode. So if you guys are interested, you can pick up a Tony Montana or a Kelly Kapowski or any of the other ones that uh, Flix uh, mentioned before. I think I think Nez Nez has a Mortal Kombat one that's sick. They also do sweatshirts. I was looking at a sweatshirt from there. Uh, that was Mortal Kombat. That looked pretty sick too. Uh, so let's get to. What have you guys been up to? What have you guys been watching? Uh, Nez, like anything that you've been checking out? You said you were re- re-watching How I Met Your Mother the last episode. What are you up to now? So I've been doing that, you know, at night before bed. I'll watch it, throw it on. I've seen it before so I can fall asleep. Uh, yesterday I caught up on or started to catch up on the latest season of Rick and Morty. It's hilarious. Like, I think last <laughs> season was good, but a little, like, not as, you know, they good as they were at their peak. This past season, I think it's really picked up. I was just sitting in my living room, absolutely cracking up at the episodes that the, uh, last night, and uh, I'm excited for the rest of the season. It's been it's been hilarious. Yeah, I've been watching that too. So funny. There was one episode I didn't love. I won't spoil it in case people aren't caught up on it yet. But I thought, like for the most part, I do like this series so far. I think it really it's it's a lot better than last season. I will say that too. Mm-hmm. I got to check it out. Like I, I just haven't like I know it's hilarious. I've seen several episodes. I haven't seen as much as you guys. Usually, when I'm with one of you guys, someone puts on Rick and Morty, so I yeah. pick up bits and pieces. So rewatch. I know. I can tell it's it's just an iconic show too. Extremely. It's reached that level. You know, it's it's reached that level. It's like this new generation's Family Guy. It's this new generation's like South <laughs> yeah. Park almost. You know. Yeah, exactly. that's like, a good way to put like, it. It's, like, it's at that level, and such talented people work on that show. Michael Waldron, who's a writer for Rick and Morty. Guess what he's doing right now? He's writing. He wrote Loki, and he's working on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Like they're mm-hmm. so talented. I love how like Marvel, like Disney, such like a um, like a PG company using a guy <laughs> that worked on Rick and Morty to like develop these projects. It's pretty sick. Yeah, like the first. Have you? Have you? Oh, Doctor, probably not. But Nez, have you ever seen like the trial? episode for rick and morty or maybe it's like a joking one but like yeah no that that trial that was actually they used the transcript transcript from a real trial yeah like <laughs> and they just recreated it with rick and morty characters it's absurd but it's hilarious you ha- if listeners if you haven't seen that and you're a rick and morty fan you have to check that out like it might scar you but <laughs> it's hilarious it is absurd all right i'm gonna make it a goal for me to catch up on this like new se- i gotta catch up in general HBO Max, show, right? and i'll watch the new I believe it is. I think it's yeah. on Hulu. Or, 
Or maybe both, actually. Maybe, maybe the new episodes are on Hulu. Maybe the new ones are on Hulu. That's why I think it yeah, might be. because I know but, I, re- um, I rewatch them on HBO Max, but maybe the new ones are on Hulu and Adult I Swim. Yeah, I like, I like, I'm on it. I'm on it, boys. Right? I've been slacking. I also brought up Marvel really quick. Last night, you know what I've been watching? I watched Endgame. It was on cable, and so I had to check it out. So I watched the second half, right? Um, I caught something I didn't really pay attention to the first, like, five times I saw the movie, but I picked like, there's a lot of talk about the multiverse right now in the Marvel cinematic universe. And like Loki's going on. There's supposed to be a huge reveal in the finale of Loki. Although I think there might be some misdirection, like classic Marvel misdirection. I caught a line from Bruce Banner talking to Captain America, Steve Rogers, right before he goes back to return the stones at the end of Endgame, And before he sends Captain America to go put back the stones, he has a quote and I wrote it down because I like, it really stuck out to me. Bruce Banner says, you're going to have to return the stones exactly where you got them or else you're going to open up a lot of different alternate realities. Like that's a direct quote that Bruce Banner mm. said. And people I don't think talk about that enough. They assume like Loki's going to set this up with the TVA and the different timelines and everything. I think – and people have talked about how Chris Evans can be like reestablished in the MCU. He's supposed to be making like two more appearances as Captain America when he really wasn't expected to. Uh there could be a situation where there's going to be a cameo maybe in uh, Spider-Man 3 where Chris Evans, there's like a cameo of him going back. He misplaces a stone and it ends up sparking alternate realities. I think people are so hung up on the obvious, which would be the Loki series, that it could be what people are talking about with uh, Chris Evans. It just really caught my attention. One of those Easter eggs like no one really is discussing, you know? Yeah, very interesting, especially after today I watched the uh, alternate uh, ending to Endgame where Vin Diesel comes in from Fast and the Furious and launches himself into the ship and saves the day. I don't know if you guys saw that clip that dropped on Twitter this week. For family. uh, For family. Family. For family. All right. Let's get to the checkup. What do you boys say? One more moment, Doctor. Bringing you the latest in the movie industry, this is The Checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us out. A sequel to The Tomorrow War is already in the works at Amazon. The studio is in talks to bring back director Chris McKay and Chris Pratt in the lead role. Stay tuned to episode 45 for our full review of Amazon's surprise hit. Moving on with The Checkup, Matthew Vaughn, director of Kingsman 1 and 2, has cast his new spy thriller titled Argyle. Film will star huge names, including Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Dua Lipa, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, and Samuel Jackson. Argyle will kickstart a trilogy of films that will follow the world's greatest spy on a globe-trotting adventure. Next up on the checkup, Adam McKay's Don't Look Up will release in December on Netflix 2021. Film stars Leo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande, Himesh Patel, Chris Evans, and Matthew Perry. Holy cannoli. The date in December has not been specified, but it's expected to be an Oscar contender. Next up on the checkup, some fun news here. Matt Damon says he was offered the lead role in James Cameron's Avatar, including 10% of the film's total profits. Guess what? The film earned $2.8 billion. What an idiot. Damon said, quote, you'll never meet an actor who, who turned down more money. Now that I'm thinking about it, Sam Worthington sort of is a Matt Damon knockoff. Moving on with the checkup. Lily James, Jason Siegel, and our plump boy, Jesse Plemons, 
have been cast in the upcoming Netflix film, Windfall. The film is described as a Hitchcockian thriller that follows a young couple who arrive at their vacation home to find it's been robbed. Let's wrap up the checkup. We have the final Jackass film. Uh, we have some news. It's going to be titled Jackass Forever. That's a little dramatic. The first trailer will drop on Tuesday, and this episode drops July 20th. The film releases on October 22nd in theaters. That's going to do it for the checkup this week. Ricky Flex, give me the headline that grabs your attention, kid. You've just been checked up by Dr. O. I don't feel bad for Matt Damon, but that's a lot of money. What is that? Like, that's over $200 million. Like, See? off of one movie, like the easiest work, like, like return for time spent ever. He's like a lizard. <laughs> tail, you know, chop off the tail, the money comes back. You know, just like the tail. <laughs> just gross. Just gross. And like, like the fa- it, uh, when I read that, like, I really thought like Sam Worthington, he does look like Matt Damon. And at the time that Avatar came out, like Sam Worthington was looked at as like the next great action star. He's kind of disappeared from the, li- the limelight, although he's returning with all these Avatar sequels. Apparently there's like four of them coming out, but he is like Matt Damon. It just really reminded me of him so much. But uh, these like I, it was supposed it was supposed to be like such a mind bending film, not mind bending, but like like a, supposed to change the landscape of film. I can't believe he said no in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's worth one hundred seventy million dollars as of last month, so he would have made more in that movie than he's worth today. Insane. That's insane. And Ned, anything uh, capture your attention here? Yeah, I'm gonna give myself a premature bonk for this one. Do a leapa. Can't wait to see her on the big screen. <laughs> Holy cow. I'm a huge fan. I respect the premature bonk. You just, before we could do it. Yeah, like I, I, if someone did bring Self-bonk. it up, it was in my mind already. I, I was already thinking. Well, I lo- I'm glad you brought up that movie because that cast in itself, I know Don't Look Up uh, cast was na- was listed right after, so it'll never top that. But that's like the closest thing you can come to coming close to that cast. Like, I'm excited to see Brian Cranston back in a movie. I know he's doing that Showtime show um, where his, like, son, like, murders, like, that mafia boss or whatever. Um, so I'm excited to see him back on the big screen. And Henry Cavill, I liked Man from Uncle. Didn't love it, but I liked it. Liked him as a spy. I know a lot of people say, like, oh, he could be the next James Bond, perhaps, or people want him to be. I think that's just a lot of uh, Restore the Snyder Cut people. But I'm excited to see him and Sam Rockwell, of course, like, I picked him in a, in a supporting draft. I love Sam Rockwell, so I'm excited for that one, too. And Henry Cavill, great as a double agent in Mission Impossible Fallout. Yes. Also as an agent in that movie, too. So if he's like going to be like the new face of this, I'm assuming it's going to be a, maybe a type of franchise. Yeah, it's a trilogy that's going to be coming. Right. And Matthew Vaughn is so good at the Kingsman franchise, another spy franchise. So like putting those to get two, two, two together, I love. And then Samuel L. Jackson also, people are forgetting and reuniting with Matthew Vaughn after his appearance in the first Kingsman. Hopefully he has a more, more of an appealing uh, performance here, more of an appealing character, I would say, than the first Kingsman. Yeah, maybe uh, no, no uh, right, his regular voice maybe and uh you know let's uh cut down on the big mac talk here yeah another thing i want to uh talk about is uh that windfall movie mm. i mean they're describing it as a hitchcockian thriller i mean come on like that's that's you're you're really setting yourself up there to, to, to fail you're really setting the expectations very high hitchcockian but at the same time uh do you know what jesse plemons has been um cast as is he the 
villain I, in the movie? I think, I think he's expected to be the villain. He's okay, because him be as a villain in a horror movie, I could actually see being very eerie and and you know everything he's done. He's been re- every time he's in that role, he does an amazing job. So I could see him really creeping us out. You know, at the same time, I think they're really set. You know, setting expectations a little too high. But knowing Jesse Plemons is in a, in the villain role gives me a little bit of confidence. You're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get eyeballs on this movie once you and like people are gonna pay attention once you say it's a Hitchcockian level movie like where it's like uh, it's like his tone like it's just it's obviously like they're trying to get the uh, get the appeal for this movie going and Jesse Plemons I agree I think he'd be incredible as like a type of villain in a horror slash thriller I think he's in the next Jordan Peele movie as well he's done, he's on an absolute hot streak so I kind of love that he's like sticking to those that no. type of genre you know what I'm he saying? was gonna be in the Jordan Peele movie right but now he's doing Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, he dropped. Right, I thought we talked about that. He was supposed to be, what, but then he went to Scorsese instead. Yeah, he said What's no up? to it. Yeah. Oh, right. We did talk about that, yeah. man. But, Sorry, that's that's on me. But, that movie news guy should know that. I think this is going to be big for this movie with those expectations that we're talking about because he's going to have that and also Power of the Dog, which we talked about in our Netflix drafts of upcoming Netflix projects with him and with his wife Kirsten Dunst and Benedict Cumberbatch and that as well which is that has pretty high expectations, but kind of going under the radar right now. But this movie's coming up after that, those two movies. So he could be like a certified star after those two. And this movie, that will help with that great expectations. And I think Steven Yoon was the guy who was the man who was cast in the new, new Jordan Peele movie. I yeah, to replace, yeah. Yeah, we, that was when we were like reviewing Minari. Right, right. All right. Um, Inez, really quick. Uh, I saw something right before like we started recording. Guess what? Agatha Harkness, your girl, Catherine Hahn, she's confirmed a return in the MCU by Kevin Feige himself, dude. Huge. Huge. Let's go. I'm not, like, maybe we'll see her, like Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, when Wanda returns. That'd be cool. But I'm just happy that a, she's coming back. Can I get a Han? <laughs> it was Agatha all along. <laughs> right. Excellent. <laughs> sort of. That does it for the checkup this week. Let's move on to our review of Amazon's The Tomorrow War. All right, Flickster, here we go. The Tomorrow War, Chris Pratt's newest blockbuster, the king of blockbusters, leading into eventually today's top billing. Here is the synopsis for Amazon's The Tomorrow War. The world is stunned when a group of time travelers arrive from the year 2051 to deliver an urgent message. 30 years in the future, mankind is losing a global war against a deadly alien species. Nice and quick synopsis. So, as I said before, available to see on Amazon Prime slash Prime Video. This will be a spoiler review, okay? We're doing this in the future about two weeks after the Tomorrow War. We're doing this <laughs> review in the future two weeks after its release. Currently, it's at 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it has an 80% audience score. It also has a wow. 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Right, we got big differentiation differentiation between the critics and the audience. No surprise with the Chris Pratt led film, Flickstar. Mm-hmm. Give me your initial reactions after viewing this new movie. So, I think that uh, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score differential t- is basically like that says a lot. That explains this movie basically. It's it's a dumb movie. Like if we're being honest, it's kind of dumb, right? But just reading that synopsis, it's something that you're gonna want to watch. You got aliens, you're in the future. Like, you want to watch that movie. So, and Chris Pratt starring it. You got our boy J.K. Simmons looking insane. 
jacked beard. Like they even made a like a, this movie's very self aware, and they were like making uh, making fun Agreed. of J.K. Simmons, and they're like, oh, we got uh, Santa Claus over here or whatever. But like I said, very self self aware. And after seeing the trailer for this film, I went in with such low expectations that like I was shocked that I liked it. I did like this movie. Now, it wasn't great, but I just really enjoyed watching it. At home, watching it, I will say I think it would have been a lot better on the big screen. But I don't know if I would have gone to a movie theater to see this movie because I had such low expectations for it. So I'll stop there and pass it over to you to get your reaction. I agree 100%. This movie belongs in a movie. This movie belongs in a theater. You should see it there. It's got explosive action sequences. There are actually a couple stills you could like really screenshot from this movie. You're like, wow, that was actually amazing. Speaking of, yeah, towards the end of the movie, especially like the cinematography, quote unquote, the CGI level, I thought was very good. Um, as I said, and I agree with you, this is low expectation movie. Like you, this is one that got promoted late. You could tell, like, it kind of like was self-aware in terms of like, this isn't going to be a critically acclaimed movie, especially because I'm listening to like podcasts and the way that they're advertising for the movie and how they're doing it like through these different channels. That's such a good point. There is never a good movie that is uh, advertised through a podcast. This might be the best one. Is this this, the best movie ever advertised on a podcast? I think we might have to investigate that. So I, we obviously, (laughs) me me and you both listen to a lot of Barstool and a lot of those podcasts, they, they, basically advertise these newer movies that are coming out and they're usually straight to streaming service type movies usually but 30 and below on rotten tomatoes 53 percent might might be a record but i agree i this is a movie that potentially might start a franchise for amazon and i said in the checkup and i think where i want to go first with this all right is chris pratt because what I went through, my thought process, like watching the trailer for this movie that came out, which I pr- probably watched half of and then stopped watching, and then looking at his Instagram, ways promoting the movie, I kind of looked at this movie like he was kind of challenging himself like to do something that's not a common franchise that he's usually attached with. He's not a part of a Jurassic Park type of world. He's not associated with a Marvel type of movie. He's kind of challenging himself like, can I lead a franchise that no one has heard of, right? And I think... He was pretty good in this movie for like the movie being as self-aware as it was. I you are you giving me a, like a space like you don't agree? Maybe uh, he had his moments. He, he had his up and up and down moments. I thought he was good for the most part, but Doctor Rowe, do you remember the first? Can't cry time he, too. He can't cry. Yeah, that's what I noticed in the I, movie too. I was gonna say that too, but the really one scene that hurt his case for being good in this movie was when he first met or when he first got introduced to his father, like in the movie here. And his father said, like, oh, like, I had to leave. And he had the sudden like, response. And it was just such bad acting in that one response. And granted, the, the screenplay, the writing did not help him at all. This no. dialogue was really bad. So I'm not going to say he was bad in this movie. But that one scene, like, if you haven't watched the movie, you should watch it, number one. But two, look out for that first interaction. You'll see what I mean. And if you have seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. So it's like he's his like response level to a very dramatic scene sometimes was not great. In like when he movie. first met his daughter uh, in the future, like this is a spoiler review. I think you mentioned that when he first met his daughter, like you got to be more emotional than that. You mentioned he couldn't cry. Like, 
Yeah. It, it, uh, he was trying though. And I, I, I just respected the fact that he's going like away from like what is so familiar to him. Cause he could just cash in like he has been, but he's doing this movie that everyone kind of looked at. as like, wow, this is going to suck. And turns out it's not as bad as everyone assumed, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just, I respect the fact that he's kind of like bro- trying to broaden his horizons a little bit. So I love that. But it kind of reminded me like the, that scene with his daughter and like his daughter, decent actor. Even she though was she good. Did, she did She's so in uh, the handmaid's tale. With like she, Elizabeth Moss, I think. She, yeah, uh, so she was. Uh, we got to look her up. I think it's Yvonne Strahovski, I believe. I, how do you pronounce it? Pronounce it. I'm not the pronouncing guy on the podcast. No, but uh, we just got to figure out like if we're if that's even remotely close. But it's no, it it's uh, it's Yvonne Strahovski. Like, oh, so, you know? close. so yeah. what I, what I want to say, she's, like, she's pretty good with her range here. Pretty emotional role. This movie had some underlying emotion to it. I really didn't see coming, but in terms of Chris Pratt portraying that, it reminded me of Ben Stiller at the beginning of Tropic Thunder where he can't cry and Robert Dana Jr. is like, the man can't cry. The man can't cry. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like whimpering and stuff. He's like trying really hard. I'm like, that could remind me of Chris Pratt. But I'm a Chris he's Pratt fan. He's slobbering over himself. I'm, I'm, I'm a Chris Pratt fan. I don't use the word stand like you do as much, but I'm a fan and I want him to do well. So that's, I, I guess it's like, He's he jump started a franchise, and that's what he does. It just doesn't seem like he is, he's capable of more than that than these franchise tentpole type movies. You know, I just I know we skipped over uh, during the checkup, but talking about it now, the sequel coming out, I have no idea what they're gonna do for a sequel. Like at the end of this movie, like they literally well, ended it. So they did mention that the, they they did set something up. It was really quick. They oh, mentioned that the aliens have like uh like they're, like they're, the humans are infected by the aliens or something like that. They oh. mentioned something very quickly. So like that that was like them setting up the sequel because oh, like boy. I thought this movie would have been best. I know I, I kind of wanted to save this question towards the end, but we can address it now. This movie would have been great if it just wrapped up there, right? If it did like not great, but it would have been fine if it wrapped up there. It Wait, where's mean, there? Like at, like at the way it ended, the way it was like oh, him, yes. reuniting with his, re, him reuniting with his dad, J.K. Yes. Simmons, making sure his daughter, quote unquote, doesn't die, even though like that's kind of like convoluted the whole plot and how time travel works and everything, mm-hmm. like like a classic time travel movie. But I just think that uh, it would have been fine if there was no sequel to it, but it's just it's like Amazon trying to replicate what Netflix is doing, right, with the gray man and these potential franchises they have knives out now. Amazon trying to do the same thing. And they look at this, a kind of a surprise hit, Chris Pratt-led movie, bang, franchise potential. Yeah. yeah. And, like, again, the audience score, a lot of people like this movie, right? 80%. That's that's very high for a movie that honestly had its flaws, had its plot issues, right? So, and, it, and going with the genre, like, Edge of Tomorrow <laughs> is the first one I think of with, like, a future action movie. And that had Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Like, that's, like, hard to beat, right? But that movie just was a concrete, very good movie. Like, that's the best you can ever do, I think, in this action alien genre. That's, like, kind of dumb, but then again, not dumb. That movie's, like, it made sense. This one had its plot issues, but getting a franchise out of it, that's a huge accomplishment. Like, I'm just going to give snaps to them. Like, good for them. Didn't see it coming, man. Like, you see that, like, if we did a thermometer predictor, my thing might have been around 30%, 28%, 30%, around there. Uh, if yeah. we really went, we probably did do it at some point, maybe when the trailer first came out. We probably didn't even address it because we thought this was going to be a throwaway movie. Look mm-hmm. at it now, you know? Uh, I also wanted to talk about, you mentioned the plot. This, like, falls under, once they mentioned time travel, future, past, right? Ramifications on the, like, on the future what happens there and then like when they return to the present you know it kind of it's like this got established like with back to the future back in 1985 with robert zemeckis it's like what 
rules are you setting in your movie? And I thought what this movie went wrong a little bit is the convoluted plot. Like just because his spoiler, right? His daughter dies in the future. Right. And he divorces his wife in the future. Then they go back and they destroy the aliens before the tomorrow war, but the tomorrow war already happened and they technically lost. Like what happens? I don't think they did a good job of explaining like clearly, I should say, what is like the ramifications and like the consequences of their actions in the future? You know what I mean? Does that yeah, make sense? I think, I think for this movie, they really tried to explain things. Like, I think the only part where they really explained it well was uh, two, two aspects. One where they talked about how they can't just redo everything, like try again. And they did that with the Raptor example. I thought that was like actually pretty good. And then the other time was at the end when Chris Pratt, like he has the vaccine or whatever. He's like, oh, we got to go back. And they go, we can't. We're offline now. <laughs> like <laughs> they threw it out of nowhere. It's like, right. no it's just like, it's, it's like <laughs> we can never go back. We, we got time travel, but we can't fix this. Like, okay, whatever. Take it for what it is. Again, dumb movie, right? But they, the movie was two hours and 20 minutes. Like this movie was long. so long trying to help you explain it and still struggled, which goes again to the writing mm-hmm. so that's well, where i like i agree with you and that kind of that kind of explains it why they kind of struggled where they gave so much time for an a-, a stupid action movie over two hours long and they still couldn't do it clearly which is tough right and like the fact that it wasn't clear i'm not gonna hate on it too much because like they don't really care if you understand it or not basically they're just saying like yeah we're going to destroy these aliens before the war even starts but that's like the second half of the movie but uh, the length of this movie, I think, was a huge issue because it kind of dragged in the middle when they kind of turned it to, from an, a huge tentpole action movie into a more emotional father-daughter type of movie for, like, the next 35 minutes, right mm-hmm. smack dab in the middle, where you should be kind of ramping up heading into the third act. But the thing is, right, it got – the movie was so dang long, and then they threw in a pretty cool twist that it was his daughter. I thought that was a great twist. Yeah, like, that kept, was good. It kept me engaged. I'm like, dang. That's actually awesome. Yeah, it kept you interested. Like, what's going to happen next? You know, what's going to be the next turn? Exactly. And, and like, him, like, working side by side with his daughter added a whole new element, an emotional element I just didn't see coming. But to keep, like, main – because my viewing experience here overall, very positive, I would say, based on what I was expecting. Yes. So looking at, like – what this movie it had it, the budget for it first of all was way higher than I expected. There were some amazing action sequences that I thought were really creative as well. Whether mm-hmm. it be like the they were called the white spikes, whether they're flying in the air and the helicopters are tilting like to the side and they're shredding yeah, the white yeah. spikes as they're flying in the You're air. Even sick in a theater. And then speaking of the white spikes, they almost provided like a horror element too, like a different even so, genre within yeah. the action. And the white spikes, they seem like they were a very formidable foe. Like they almost seemed unbeatable at one right. point. Right. I, so, so it almost justified like what Chris Pratt had to do at the end of the movie in order to stop the war from ever happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I love how you brought that up because I think in a alien movie or an action movie, your CGI has to be good, but let alone your villain really has to be good. And these aliens or white spikes or whatever, were very good. The CGI, very good. They were menacing as well. I got a lot of Quiet Place vibes from him. I don't know if you yeah. did. Uh-huh. I was thinking about that right when I saw them running at like lightning speed or whatever you want to call it. And I thought the spikes were, were cool. I thought that was a neat element that they added uh, to like, because when, when you think of alien movies, that's not, you don't really think, you don't like ever see that. So that was very interesting. Um, and I think another element of that is 
we didn't see them right away. They're like, oh, can we see what they look like? And they go, oh, we don't want to get the media involved and we don't want them to release it to the public. So you don't actually see them until they actually get to the future the same time as the soldiers, quote unquote soldiers. So I actually did like that element that because that was, again, you're on the edges, the edge of your seat saying, what are these pe- aliens going to look like? You know? it's, also like, it's like a horror vibe. It's like literally yeah. a thriller where in terms of like, yes, they see like these white things crawling across. You only see the backs of them. But when they finally infiltrate that lab area where Chris Pratt is first talking to his daughter, who he doesn't know is his daughter at that point, she's giving him commands and everything. And then like they're looking down the stairs, I mean, up the stairs and they see right at the top, you see the red eyes flash and then bang. It's almost a horror element as they go down the stairs through the hallway. You never know when they're coming. They're smacking people against the walls. Right. Um, and like for that, I almost expected it was called the tomorrow war. They only spent half the movie like fighting in the actual Tomorrow War. You know what I mean? So I almost I, I wanted to talk about the cast because like they got a, they got a lot of love in the trailers and the advertisements for the movie. How do you think they were alongside Chris Pratt? Do you think they were formidable? Um, like maybe you can even compare them maybe to another type of movie that kind of belongs in this genre with Army of the Dead. I think that kind of like it's the same like yeah. tone of movie. I yeah. Well, you brought up Army of the Dead. I'll say I like that movie better than this one. Me too. I did. Um, but if we go into this cast. Let's talk about Sam Richardson first. I thought he was good comic relief in this. He's uh, the guy from Beep as well. Um, I thought he was Richard good. Richard T. Splett. <laughs> um, Aldous Hodge's brother, um, Edwin, in this movie. Like the guy that like has cancer or whatever. That's I thought brother. he was all right. I thought that reminded me of the tom- uh, the, the uh, Army of the Dead. I uh, forget his name. Uh, Jack. Uh, I forget his name. But it reminded me of like someone that could have been good in Army of the Dead, basically, is what I'm saying. Um and I think a big issue, though, with it is that the second biggest star is barely in the movie with J.K. Simmons. So I think that actually did hurt a little bit because he didn't have that formidable formidable partner with Chris Pratt, even though I did think Yvonne Strakowski or, or how you pronounce it was good. I agree. Um, I think you're thinking of Omari Hardwick in um, Thank you. Uh, Army of the Dead. Yes. But I thought the, the cast, I think, was not good. Like I thought J.K. Simmons was wasted in this movie. He yeah. was in two, he was in basically two scenes. I know he was very powerful. He's very good in that type of character. He's always great at playing a like kind of a sarcastic dad. He's he's not typecast in any Palm way. Springs. But he's just super awesome in that role. Palm Springs. I love you, man. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, this film, like like they add up how many times he plays a sarcastic dad. And he's in Juno. He's awesome in that role. Yeah, yeah, he uh, is. He is. But I, uh, if we get a sequel, I want to see him more fighting alongside Chris Pratt. I thought the best part of the movie, one of the best parts, was the finale, him fighting side by side, and it kind of like this is one of like the emotional like moments too that like I unexpectedly felt from this movie. It's not like I'm gonna cry or anything, but it's more like wow, I thought this was gonna be really brainless. But at the t- same time, he's like Chris Pratt, ha- like mending his relationship with his daughter, and then mending his relationship with his father, and then bringing the whole family back together at the end of this movie. It was. It was decent. Like it was just way more, uh, way more emotional than I expected. So, uh, any other uh, aspects of the film you want to highlight? Maybe things that you enjoyed, Flex. So I did want to talk about one other thing, and it was it's a kind of a multitude of things wrapped in one, and it's things that happened in this movie that were hilarious that didn't like that didn't affect my score at all. But it was it was just so funny to me watching it. This is just my thoughts going throughout. So if I, I, I just run through them if you want, yeah. <laughs> or do you want me to go one by so one? It's, so, it's, so it's just like stuff that's like, wow, out of, out of left field. Like what the hell was that? And like, yeah, no, keep, like more like just things I, that happened that I was just like, that's like just hilarious. Like how this is yeah, run through. 
All right, right off the bat, the World Cup scene. Okay. Oh, Jesus. The soccer sequence was so bad and embarrassing that I I couldn't help but laugh. I like I liked how they used actual real countries, like real teams or whatever. That was, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, we got some potential here. Because usually when you see in action movies, they use like a fake team or and fake big names or something, or something. Like think of the Pink Panther. They had, they had fake Italian players, right? So I did like that aspect in this. But it was just terrible. Like there was a breakaway starting at your own half going forward. And Dude, uh, I thought he was at his own 18 and he got a yeah. breakaway. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the announcer's like, he's done it. But, like, as he first... It's like, you're not even close. You're 70 yards away. He took his first touch, and somehow the defensive line is just non-existent. Everyone's in the box. Everyone's, like, getting up, like... Dude, you're not even close. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And he just kept saying it. Then, then like, literally, the, 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 the... uh, what's it called? Soldiers come storming on the field at half field. Like he's still at half a field to like march <laughs> right. on, try and score this goal. And then like watching like Chris Pratt's reaction was kind of funny too. Right? Uh, like is this the a soldiers joke? coming on. He's like, is this a joke? What's happening right now? It's just it was it was, it was classic like corny type of um type of stuff you kind of expect from this right. uh, movie. But what um, other stuff did you have there? Okay, um, I'm trying to go in order of the movie. Um, oh, okay. Second thing. So when they go travel uh, through time, either forwards or backwards, they can pinpoint where they're going. Okay, so why are you making them fall on like, like on hard surfaces? Like, set up a mattress or something there. Oh, dude, I mentioned that too. I made a like, note about that in the first, like going to the future, and they're like landing on that roof, and like you got that cool sequence of them flying through, like good CGI flying through, and like people's legs are breaking and stuff. That was cool. Like I, I understand it, but coming back at least like put a mattress down or a trampoline like you know where they're landing and they're all landing in the same spot like what are we doing here it was it was just funny because like they like uh chris pratt's wife in the movie uh who was played by betty uh betty gilpin uh like they she mentions only a 30 percent survival like rate for those who go to the tomorrow war i think 60 percent of those people that go end up dying just based yes. on when they fly in they smash through a building <laughs> and they fall they fall a, a, a three thousand feet to their death it's literally their fault they're all dying before they, yeah. before they even face the white and spike. it's a, and they could fix it because they literally say in the movie they can pinpoint where their drop zone is yeah so it's I, like what are we I was doing? just like I, I was like why did we do that there was no point in doing that i was just like you could have made it so like it was you could have figured something out like but it's also funny to watch like the characters and like the type of people that were being dropped like I remember when they're first going to like their, their basic training that they'd actually didn't, never go through, but they have a guy with a chef hat, just wearing a chef right. hat. Like, oh, like, right. They didn't change outfits. They didn't give many like outfits. Right. And it's just like, like, why is it like you could, you didn't have like, it's silly, but you don't have to make it that silly. Right. The, the make, movie was very make, self-aware. Like I said, make, in the don't beginning. make it like that comic, that comic though. Like that, that yeah. much of like re- that level of ridiculousness. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yep. All right. I got three more things real quick. Another right, thing run, in the beginning. You can travel through time, but they're still using regular guns. The technology hasn't like gone forward at all, like with the guns or helicopters or anything. So that's why it was like hard or quote unquote hard. I don't know if you think it was hard to kill the aliens. I I think it was kind of hard, but it was super hard. Yeah, I thought it was hard too. But the technology couldn't have advanced at all. Like just regular guns. They have stuff on their arm that can literally like (laughs) put them through time. And you can't like. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know. Like that—that that was ridiculous. How it didn't like translate in terms right. of like 
30 year time jump and like they're flying through like time portals <laughs> you can't do anything you know what i mean it's yeah. ridiculous and then two quick things one the percent bond thing was just hilarious 27 percent bond and she's doing nothing <laughs> except pressing refresh like, refresh it took it, they wasted like 20 minutes of the movie <laughs> it was ridiculous they made it what? Like 20 minutes literally just pressing a button <laughs> refresh doing nothing and it's then a, uh final thing is the title what did they say through what they said the name of the war was the future war throughout the movie they never, never mentioned it, once tomorrow. the tomorrow war they said the future war so why is the title of the movie the tomorrow war it should be called the future war so i guess the question at this point is what will the sequel be titled will it be the past war will it be the historic war will it be the current sick, war the sick war because everyone's sick the day, it, I, I saw i saw a tweet that said uh you should bring in jake gyllenhaal and dennis quaid and you call it the day oh. after tomorrow war <laughs> that'd be incredible Who, whoever tweeted that oh my god they are so smart they are so but smart you should get creative with it like with the different like names I, like you can't really get creative with it but it's very it's gonna be very predictable one one person's gonna have it. it's probably gonna be like the present war the current war or something like that <laughs> yeah you know something stupid but also like so i saw another tweet i wish i could take credit for this golden opportunity in terms of this type of like film like a franchise like starter in terms of uh advertisements you change the name of the white spikes to the white claws oh <laughs> the white claws imagine that <laughs> what a missed opportunity there. What a been goal. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, All right. that's it. That's it on my front. So I think uh, we, this has been a fun review. This is fun talking about this movie. So I want I want to get your thoughts, your score, final comments here, Flex. Yeah, I won't repeat too much of what I said. Just a big summary is low expectations, far exceeded them. Dialogue and plot issues a lot of the time. But this was just fun. The aliens were good. I really liked it, but I'm not going to give it a great score because, you know, it's just a dumb action movie that's enjoyable. I gave it a 57. Okay. Uh, I'm sort of on the same wavelength. I gave it a 66. Uh, I gave it a 66. I enjoyed it way more than I expected to. I think I, I think it's because of that low expectation. And I, I, I'm a Chris Pratt fan, so I enjoy seeing him. I know he's not going to give me the uh, the strong performance that's like uh, uh, like a, a strong performance in terms of a emotional or de- like a, with emotion or depth. Sure, like sure. Uh, you would see with some other action franchises or whatever. But he does his thing in this movie, and I think he uh, it's uh, I'm I. I was happy with it. So I gave it a 66 just based off the action sequences. I think it looked great on screen. I wish I saw it in theaters. I wish it was, I wish it was available in uh, theaters. And I thought it was like almost just like a rip off of like Independence Day. It felt like I was watching Independence Day from 2020 uh, from actually from like 2010. It felt like a 2010 film that wanted to be Independence Day. If that makes sense, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, like fit, it almost is like in that vibe of like edge of tomorrow, obliv- uh, oblivion and then Elysium. I felt like it's like almost like battle Los Angeles kind of, but this yeah. is better than that movie. Right. And if they all feel like that, they want to be Independence Day. And that's what I got. I got from this. And it was cer- certainly enjoyable, even though obviously a bit too long with the convoluted plot, but I'll see the sequel. I'll see the sequel. Yes, same here. And we will review it. We will. So that does it for our review of Chris Pratt's The Tomorrow War. Black Widow next week. Black Widow next week. Massive review. We'll do uh, non-spoiler and spoiler. All right, we're going to split that in half, right? Must talk about Marvel. You got to talk about those Easter eggs. Go see that. Yes. In theaters. 
do it. I'm now going to send it over to Ricky Flex for our top billing of the greatest action stars. All right. Thank you, Dr. Rowe. And like you said, yes, it's top billing time. Top billing time. And we have to pick an order. We have to pick an order for our top billing of action stars in Hollywood. I'm going to spin our wheel here. And whoever gets the, the arrow gets to them, they get to decide where whoa, they want whoa, to pick. Whoa. I lost the wheel. I don't see it on your share screen right now. What kind uh, of tomfoolery is going on illusion. behind the scenes? Is well, it not the what's going on behind the scenes? Oh, well, you no, won. I just... Wait, wait, where oh. is the wheel? Wait. It... Oh, no. There's controversy. This is... There's been a lot of controversy on the Sounds good lately. to me. I, well, I, 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 Ricky Flicks one or Nez one? Nez one. Oh, Nez one. The one that brought up the controversy won it. Nez, where do you want to pick? You know what, guys? I've won back-to-back top billings in the two spot. I'm going to two. All right. I'm going to two. Is if it, it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's back-to-back. Back. Oh, my gosh. So I went from the three-peat. Now it's a two. Nick's going for the three. Nez is going for three-peat now? Nez is. And then you get decision if you want to go first or third, Dr. O. Third. I'm comfortable in the three spot. All right. Well, sorry for that controversy there. Um, did not mean for that to happen, but we move. So we have the top billing of action stars. We must pick a minimum of two males and two female actors or actresses. But before we get going, Nez, we heard why you wanted the two spot. Dr. Rowe, what's your strategy or just what's your mindset going into this big draft? Trying to prevent Nez from three-peating. So what we have to do, we have to take a little more strategy into account, not only with the positioning of us, either one, two, or three, but we have, we have like uh, obligations for who we have to pick in this draft, right? We have to have two actresses on our board of the best action stars. So it's where you're going to take, because I think it's way deeper with the males, right? Just based on the history of Hollywood, right? Hopefully we'll see some more names on the female side in the future, but I think you've got to focus on where you're going to take those females and, where, and when. Okay. Who, who? Nez, any uh, thoughts you want to add to that, or does that pretty much sum up your thoughts? As the uh, self-proclaimed Bill Belichick of top billing, I won't reveal <laughs> any strategy like Dr. O just did right now. Well, I didn't Ron say to- who. I just said you have to We're take into to account. top billing. <laughs> We're on to Cincinnati. Um, let's get this thing going. So the order is Flix, myself, Nez, Dr. O, and we're going to snake it. When with the first pick of the top billing draft of best action stars, I'm going with a man who's on the older side, but coming out with an action movie soon. And his name, he is Harrison Ford, the best action star of all time, male or female. Indiana Jones, Han Solo, Jack, uh, every single time, the main Tom Clancy movies, he is action movies. And I think he's the best of all time to ever do it. Harrison Ford. Originally, I had him actually at the top of my big board, and then I thought that you guys might let him slip. So um, a bit surprised, but also I think he does deserve to be picked in this spot. He is an absolute legend in the industry and uh, definitely, definitely worthy of taking first overall. He's the GOAT. 
I said it back in our action franchise draft when I took Indiana Jones. He has the most recognizable action performances of all time. He may not have like the same size muscles as a lot of people in this top billing, right? But he still plays those physical roles, and he's just so charming, and he always gets the girl at the end. Whether we're talking about Indiana Jones, Han Solo, you're talking about uh, Tom Clancy movies, he does it all. And the fact six that days, he, seven nights, the, or seven, <laughs> six nights, seven nights, whatever. More of a rom com, but the fact that we have. <laughs> Him is 80, 80 years old, revisiting an iconic character that says something, right? Even though he's, I mean, he's already back and like, what? He hurt his arm, right? Broke his arm or hurt yep. his leg? Broke his arm. Or, uh, yeah, I think it was arm. Yeah. Almost expected on the set of the new Indiana Jones movie. He'll, <laughs> that probably push it back for another year. He'll be 81 when it drops, probably. But good pick. Next year. Yeah. Come, comes out next year. All right. Nez, you're on the clock. I'm going with Keanu Reeves, baby. Keanu Reeves, Matrix, John Wick. Um, you know, arguably some of the, those are arguably top, both top five action movies of all time. Uh, you know, if, if you really think about it, especially with the matrix, the first one, I mean, absolutely revolutionized the genre, changed the way that people film action movies. And then John wick, I mean, he's just one of the best action characters that you'll ever see ever in any movie. Keanu Reeves was born for for the action roles, and I think he deserves to be picked in this first round. Unbelievable I, pick. Yeah. Great so pick. this this is like similar to the this is panning out similar to the um action franchise draft where Nez took the John Wick franchise number two. So he's sticking with this strategy, right? That he kind of is like leaning on the John Wick. And I was I've been this is like kind of unrelated a little bit. So I've been listening to a lot of uh, Tar- Tarantino's been doing these press tours, right? Like the, for his new book that he wrote. He wrote a novelization for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he t- he's talking about like John Travolta, his major comeback in Hollywood. Has there been like a comeback like this before? And I, I was thinking about it. One of the more recent examples is probably Keanu Reeves. Like think about like we talk about Ness talking about like one of the greatest. For sure one of the greatest action stars of all time. The fact that he went from the Matrix trilogy, kind of disappearing, people kind of writing him off, right? Like performing in these movies that people kind of just trash his acting abilities. Then he comes back with John Wick, literally like over a decade later. It is one of the greatest comeback stories for an Mm. action star specifically. So I love that pick. Anyone, anyone who writes off Keanu Reeves, I'm writing them off. But I agree. I I remember watching several stand-up specials of Keanu Reeves where he's just the end of so many jokes. People love to talk crap about Keanu Reeves back in the early 2000s, but he really has just come right back and proud of him. I think they've given a lot of crap because he was the classic action star in those like crappy action movies too, yeah. right? Like think 47 Ronin, uh, Street Kings. Like what other ones? Uh, 47, Ro- oh, I said 47 Ronin. Um, but yeah, like, you know what I mean, right? He was in like, some of the give. bad ones. <laughs> but like he was also in a... Speed, like Speed, that great action movie. And uh, yeah, I don't know, I can't. Point Break, the 30-year anniversary today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Point Break. How Point can break. I forget about Point Break when I mentioned that? Oh, yeah. But uh, I think Unreal Pick, not just because of Matrix and uh, John Wick, but he also is just an action star when you think action stars. Like, boom. So, good pick. For sure. Doc, your first pick. I mean... I, I'm, I, this is was a this was um, connected to Nez's uh, franchise. One of his franchise picks. I gotta go with Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise, his career has been fascinating to watch because when he started, 
he was in a lot of dramas. It's almost like he was like chasing that Oscar potentially, especially in the nineties where he's doing like Jerry Maguire. He's doing Magnolia. He's doing born on the 4th of July. He's doing literally all these types of movies where it's like, okay, it's not the action hero that we know today. His like career has been really interesting. It's like the older he gets, the more like crazy his roles are in terms of like physical stunts and abilities, especially because he performs his own stunts. We're talking about Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible. I can go back to Minority Report as well. We talked about uh, Oblivion, right? Edge of Tomorrow. Like he, like he is the modern day. He's the biggest actor on the planet currently, right? I, I, I would say he is, yeah. like currently, and he's sixty. He's sixty. By the way, did you guys see him with Beckham? Beckham at the uh, Euro final. He was at yeah, Wimbledon was at earlier Wimbledon. in the day too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> Ew. But yeah, so he was everywhere. And so I, I like, obviously he's known right now as the guy with the COVID rant and everything, but it just shows his passion for action films. So I love that I'm getting Tom Cruise, a short King, by the way, a short King. Yeah. He was my number two on my big board. Keanu's my th- third. Um, he's in the same realm for me as like real Will Ferrell, where it's like, he's known as an action star, Will Ferrell is known as comedy, but they are great and serious roles. Will Ferrell, Stranger Than Fiction, I always say that in this pod. But Tom Cruise, like he was chasing, trying to get an Oscar. He's been nominated three times, I believe. You know, think Rain Man, A Few Good Men. You, like, you can think of so many good Tom Cruise movies. Magnolia, like you mentioned. So he was like chasing that Oscar, didn't get it. And then he just transitioned to full-blown action star with Ethan Hunt. So, and all those other movies you said. So great pick. He's going to space. He's going to space to make a, an action movie. He's going to think freaking space. That's not what's wild. That's and nuts. He, and, and like based on his action career, he's gone through this entire decade and a half of superhero films, has not done one. And he's still one of the most dominant action stars on the planet. That kind of says something point. in my opinion. It's a good point. Well, great pick. It's up to you again. Your second, Doc. So it's, this is where strategy comes in. Do I want a female, which I said was probably a shorter, like a, uh, shorter list than it is for the male or do i want another dominant male figure and i think i'm gonna go with the dominant male figure i'm going arnold schwarzenegger at the start the beginning of the second round arguably the greatest action uh character in history in terminator okay and not only has he played it in the first three films he's even playing it in modern day even in dark fate he came back to play it right so and then we're talking about conan true lies like this guy is it was an absolute monster in the 80s and he's almost synonymous with the with the the words action star i think i at least i think so like modern day we're talking about tom cruise like i just said but when you think of the prototypical action hero which i even big up predator like the like little maybe the greatest action movie of all time pure action movie just like thinking of him like rubbing the eye black jacked as hell jacked as hell like he went from right mr olympia seven-time winner straight to straight to action film star most recognizable actor arguably in the world at one in like the 80s i would say he probably was if you saw him on the street it's like running into shack you know just like you know who that guy is right so i'm happy i got arnold with the big name in the second round come with me if you want to live (laughs) that wasn't a very good one (laughs) also the only person that's going to get drafted today that was the governor of a united state so that's a plus pretty cool Shows the impact he had. For sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would have ran for president if he was born in the U.S. Probably. And then, yeah. but then he had that, scandal. that, that, that dark that scandal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, was huge. That was huge. Remember that? I How forgot about we? that. Oh, my gosh. We were like 10 or Yikes. 11. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. But good pick. Nets, off to you. 
All right, I'm uh, playing with a couple different things here. Uh, I think I'm going to go with The Rock. I'm going with The Rock, round two. He was. I, I feel like he was born for action movies, transitioned from the WWE. Beautiful, beautiful story, um, you know, of trying to make the NFL, being cut, and then kind of just trying to figure, figuring his way out. And, you know, he may be, he might be one of the richest people that gets drafted today. He pumps out movies like no other. And uh, you want to talk about people that are jacked in these movies. I mean, obviously he's no, he's not Schwarzenegger, but the rock is, the rock is an absolute unit. He's a unit. The the rock is kind of the modern day Arnold dude. Like he kind of is the modern day Arnold in terms of like, like, as I said, like recognizing someone in terms of like popularity and just a lovable figure. That's what the rock is. No one doesn't, like people can like will get annoyed with the rock just because he's everywhere just because people love to be haters but like no one can truly say they have beef with the rock except for maybe mm-hmm. vin diesel because he just makes right. beef and thinks he's an alpha compared to the rock which he's absolutely not sorry to tease a pick there but i love <laughs> the rock absolutely you could argue he's a first round pick not even gonna lie so i love it yeah no i can't really say more black adam you just shared that picture today on set of the costume how it's gonna be different very interesting good pick all right, off to me. I'm just going to keep it with this bodybuilding slash just big people, but on the shorter side, but still big. Let's just do it. Sly Stallone. We're talking Rambo. Rambo. Like, I know he's in a bunch of other ones in the 80s that kind of like uh, those classic action movies that aren't very good critically, but he was in a bunch of those just one-offs. But Rambo had to be drafted, and I think he deserves to be drafted early. They did Expendable movies, and he's like the head guy of it. Like, that's I think that's saying something. If you're going to be the leader of the Expendables, so I think he's worthy to be picked uh, early on in this draft. I know this might be I I, I I'm just looking. He might not have, Rambo might not be as iconic as the Terminator, but it's probably like just right there. So I'm going to pick it. Last alone. Yeah, he's one one of the one of the most uh, the biggest abusers of PEDs. Not even PEDs, just steroids in the acting industry. HGH, yeah. And like he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like him so alongside Arnold. With... Yeah, it, it, it was like with with <laughs> with Arnold. Uh, it was like those two side by side, and then like the fact that they still make movies today, and like and they still like in those like movie buff guy roles, and still still doing it like seventy five years old. I love it. It's it's great to watch. Remember the one where they're trying to like break out of prison or something? Remember that one? Uh, what was it? Escape Plan? Escape Plan, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't believe you remember the name. Dude, well, they literally. The name is the movie. It's the plot. Right. Oh, you know, it, the point. movie. Oh, my God. You're right. The movie, literally, he didn't get arrested. He, his, his, uh, his, like, job is he gets hired to, like, test out security systems of prisons. And he, he like, fakes like he's an inmate. And he has to devise a way to get out and escape it. And it's that's, like, like a maze. Yeah. That's, yeah. He's, like, a security guy of prisons. Weird. But if you're, if you're the head of the Expendables, it really says something. Right. But, all right. I'm up again. So before this draft, I said I didn't want to pick – I didn't want to allow uh, actors that have played superheroes before because I think there's just so many that can be categorized here. But saying that now, we're doing it. So I'm going to pick one here because I think she's the biggest in the past 10 years. And 
I specifically set her as an example, as in like she because she's so big, and it's Scarlett Johansson. She eight Avenger movies. I think that she gets her own Avenger movie. I think that's saying something also. And I think that I know Wonder Woman beat uh, uh, beat uh, Black Widow to getting a movie first, but this one beat Fast Nine F Nine in the box office this past weekend. I think that's saying something as well. So, and she's heading it obviously. So Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson's my pick. Definitely not first on my big board of women in action movies, but I think deserving of being drafted for sure. Uh, she's great in her role, and she does have several different action roles outside of Black Widow that I think makes her deserving of being picked in this draft. She definitely came up in my big board for sure. She, yeah, she wasn't my first overall either, but she deserves to be drafted. Dude, she kicks ass. Do you watch her in Black Widow? Even Iron Man 2, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, like Avengers. Like, she, like her moves, like she, she's physically doing these things. Absolutely deserves to be drafted. And she has an iconic move. Like she has like the, the crotch swing around like the head and then throwing the guy down. Like that's iconic. It's just synonymous with mm-hmm. her. And then like, although her other action movies like critically aren't that great, she's still kicking butt, Agreed. dude. Like whether it be Ghost in the Shell or Lucy, both like, white, like whitewash controversy for uh, Ghost in the Shell. But I, I, just by her work in Black Widow, you can tell she's, like, doing a lot of these things. And then she's really putting in the work, just like a lot of action stars do. So you, I'm not, you have to allow the pick. Hell of a sweeping leg kick, too. Great pose as well that they yeah. – if you haven't seen Black Widow. Actually, I won't spoil that. But, Nez, off to you. You're on the clock. All right. I'm going to take, uh, you know, my first woman of the draft. Uh, I'm going with Angelina Jolie. I think when you think of women in action movies, you, that's the first one that comes up. Her work in Tomb Raider, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, along with several other action movies, I think she absolutely crushes the role. And I think she's my biggest and I think most consistent uh, action movie star. Um, you know, and um, yeah, I think she I think she's in a lot of, of decent stuff and and she's uh, got a good body of, of work when it comes to action movies. Yeah, the 2000s, she was in so many movies, but one that you didn't say that I liked was with James McAvoy and Wanted. I thought she was good in that, too. Oh, um, duh. Oh, my God. Awesome. That yeah. was sick. Like, the swerving bullets and everything. So, I really like yeah, that movie. Yeah, was obsessed like, with that movie when it came out. <laughs> right. So, I like this pick as well. Yeah. I, 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 like, I don't have much else to say just because she dominated the 2000s. You think of female action stars. Even think about Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's not even looked at as like an action movie, but she still kicks butt in that movie. She's yeah. Kicked, yeah, she destroys Brad Pitt. Yeah, so like, like, like that's, that's honestly one of my guilty pleasures. Love that pick. All right, Doc. Third pick. I'm going to go with a female, too. Just so I'm going to keep the trend going. I'm going with Charlize Theron. I'm going with Charlize Theron. Why? Mad Max Fury Road, right? Furiosa, honestly, is one of the greatest like female action characters of all time. She's even getting her own prequel. Who's gonna be uh, Anya Taylor Joy is gonna be playing her? I wish Charlize Theron was doing it, honestly, because she killed it. But even recently, she did the Old Guard, which has some awesome action sequences. She did Atomic Blonde, which is basically the, it was compared and said as it, to, as it's compared to be the female John Wick, which is like kind of what it was. And it she's like she, she just kicked so much butt in it, but I love it because like she her career is like the op. It's kind of like Tom Cruise, except she won an Oscar. Right? She was like in a lot of critically acclaimed stuff at the beginning of her career. She was in Monster. She won for Monster. And then moving on, she jumps into the action genre. And she also hasn't jumped into the superhero genre yet either, even though she's done the Fast and Furious movies as well. But I think of her in terms of like current day action stars. 
Yeah, and I don't know. Did you mention Bombshell? She also was nominated for that as well. Um, for oh, she was. Yeah, yeah. Dude, she looked like Megan Kelly, like yeah. literally just like her. Yeah, and I, I like this pick too. I, I think so. Like these were all in the same ballpark. I kind of just picked the superhero because I think she literally changed the game. She changed the superhero genre for women. And I think that in the past, as in uh, Scarlett Johansson. So I really, like, I was like, all right, I, I think I have to pick her, especially in the superhero inflationary environment, especially. So, but I love all these picks, honestly, all around the same big uh, area of the big board for me. Sweet. Yep, so I'm yep. off again. So I'm going to go with another female, uh, just because this is the one that arguably, like I had, like right next to Charlize Theron, their own but she did, doesn't have the same resume and honestly she's only a part of two movies that are action but the action in these movies are so insane that you have to do it and her character is so insane i'm going with the bride herself uma thurman in as this pick the I, I, people argue about w- uh, which chapter is better chapter one or chapter two of kill bill in my opinion just because solely because of the crazy 88 scene that's got to be it's, it's the part it's part one for me and even the beginning of the film Right oh, yeah. with her, yes, just like literally taking out all the, de- uh, the deadly vipers, just absolutely slaying it, just absolutely slaying it, and then listening. Uh, I think I have a bias right now because I'm listening to all these Tarantino like podcasts and these interviews, like trying to get inside his mind, like what was he thinking when he's making these movies, and he's saying that Uma Thurman is doing most of these stunts. She's wielding the sword in a lot of these stunts, which is mm-hmm. bananas to think about, especially because she had Zoe Bell, one of the greatest stunt women of all time. She was on the car in Death Proof. If you don't know who Zoe Bell is, and then Uma Thurman still wielding that sword, right? The uh, Hanzo sword. I like I have to take it, even though she's only really in two action movies. That's she's Poison Ivy okay. too. Oh yeah, she is Poison Ivy. That's an action movie, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She does a little, a lot of seducing rather than fighting in that one. Yeah, I did. I did my, <laughs> I did my research because uh, she was on my big board, and I was like, I don't want to get ridiculed if she's only in the, these two. But I totally think she's draftable. She absolutely crushed that role. She absolutely yeah. killed that role. Like. Yeah, I mean, definitely a draftable person, based even based off of those two movies. Like, I'll give it to her. She she's insane in those movies. She's she's a beast. I thought that she was gonna slide. Um, I'm a little disappointed because I did want the bride on my uh, on my list, but that's okay. What What do you guys think about a potential Kill Bill three with like Uma Thurman returning and her daughter Uma, uh, 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 Maya Hawk like being in the movie as well? What do you guys think about that? Isn't Bill dead? Yeah, Bill's gone, but still, yeah, like dude. Tarantino has expressed the idea of a film where it's like the bride coming back with her daughter and her actual, hmm. like Uma Thurman's actual daughter coming. That'd be kind of sad. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, it would be cool. What if it? It's just my thing what is if... that if Tarantino is going to do his tenth and final film, which he said this is going to be his final one, I don't want it to be another Kill Bill movie. Mm-hmm. What if they made a movie <clears throat> where uh, Uma Thurman or the bride racks up a lot of debt? And basically, they're about to foreclose on her house, and she's trying to pay off the debt. It's called Kill Bills. Oh, <laughs> You're so, definitely our, our idea guy on this podcast. Sorry, I, that I, was I, terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, and I have to pass I, it off to you for your next, next pick now. <laughs> I, I, I think that it wasn't as good as the Vin Diesel idea. <laughs> that, one, that one had some legs. <laughs> that, one, that one was good. That one We're was places. good. We're going places. Um, All right. Speaking of, no, I'm kidding. Um, 
Yeah, I think I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna draft another woman just because it's getting a little thin. I didn't realize. I thought I had a perfect six, so that you know, I guaranteed to have like a full big board. Um, but then I realized that I wrote Angelina Jolie twice. <laughs> so there's like it's a little bit short, and I don't want to end up scrambling in the last round. Um, so my next pick is one that has caused many a disturbances on this podcast, many a controversies. And uh, actually one of the uh, highest grossing actresses, if I'm not uh, mistaken. I'm going with Zoe Saldana. Love the pick. Love it. Absolutely love the pick. I would say one of the most underrated uh, actresses of her generation. Not underrated. I would definitely say she's certainly underrated. Certainly underrated. She's in every box office hit. Everyone knows her. I think she doesn't get the recognition she she deserves. She's the deadliest woman in the galaxy. So funny thing is, I when we were talking about um, Harrison Ford, I looked up who the highest grossing actors are because I thought for sure Harrison Ford would be in it. Between Indiana Jones and Star Wars, I was like, okay, like three Star Wars movies and I don't know how many Indiana Jones movies. I was like, he's got to be in the top ten. He's not. It's actually – well. I, I'm looking at Samuel L. in live action roles, but Stan Lee, that doesn't count. So Samuel L. Jackson is the highest grossing actor. But Zoza Aldana is eighth, which I think is pretty sick. Where is she with her actresses? You got out of that group. Um, no, Scarlett Johansson's the first one. No, there's oh, a lot of Avengers sense. in here. So there's Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, uh, Jeremy Renner. Uh, so, you know. The OGs. Don Cheadle's in here. Um, Andy Serkis, which makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. Planet of the Apes, too. Lord of the, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Lord of the Rings. Star Wars. Avengers. Like Black movies. Panther. Yeah, Black Panther. Thank you. But, yeah. But yeah perfect. I took the uh, very underrated Zozaldana. <laughs> no way. Not a chance. Wicked talent. Since that pick was taken, I'm going to save my female pick for fifth because I don't know who I'm going to take. But I'm going to take a man that I honestly can't think of a non-action movie he's ever done. And that's going to be Nez's father's boy, Jason Statham. No! You should have picked You're him. You're really going to do that to me? You should have oh let me have Zoldana. You should have <laughs> let me have her. But you didn't. I'm picking the transporter himself. This is like stealing Edgar Wright from me. This is just, oh, man. I'm sorry, man. The, the, the no he just dropped was hilarious. <laughs> he, no. <laughs> but I'm serious. Like, he doesn't do anything else. Like, this guy is, and he's, he's going to be in the, he was in the Wrath of Man, the Guy Ritchie film, right? Uh, or this year or last year. Um, he's going to be in the next spy movie with Melissa McCarthy, but I'm trying to think of other stuff he's going to be in. I think he's going to be in another Guy Ritchie movie, but basically this man's transport. That's all you got to say. And he's in the fast and the furious movies. It's Jason Statham. Great pick. Great right. action star. I'm upset. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, that was, again, that I'm was not highway robbery. That was, that was a robbery. And then my last pick. I've decided who I'm going to go with my uh, with a female here. I'm going to go with someone that's similar to Uma Thurman that hasn't. I, at least I can't think of many movies that she's in uh, that are action movies, but she's known for one character, and that's Sarah Connor, aka Linda Hamilton. 
that's another iconic character. I know the Terminator was picked beforehand and that takes the limelight of the movie, but they literally had to bring back Sarah Connor and she like took over uh, in the latest Terminator movie as well, Dark Fate. So I'm going to pick her. I think she's an iconic character as well. I know, like I said, it's Terminator's movie, but she's a very good character. She's the star in the 2019 one when she's, I don't even know how old, but that's my pick. Yeah, solid pick. Um, that last movie was pretty bad, though. Yeah. We can agree on that, right? Yeah. The Dark Fate? Yeah. That one? Like, she became an action star with Terminator 2. Like, like she wasn't really... She was like a damsel in distress in the first Terminator. And she became who she, like, is like now synonymous with, with Terminator 2. And then the recent one... She comes back to the franchise almost like as that, that that badass female figure, but she was one of the early like badass female figures that really wasn't seen for blockbusters, especially going next to Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have her like like side by side. That's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, she like she deserved it. She's one of the most like Sarah Connor is one of the most iconic female figures in like blockbuster history. Mm-hmm. All right, Nez, you're on the clock. All right, my uh, my last pick here is mm, it's between two legends. Honestly, you know what? I gotta do it. He does all his own stunts. Um, he's absolutely electric on screen, and he's a legend of the industry. I'm going with uh, with Jackie Chan. I mean, he he's an absolute beast. He's in a ton of action movies. You know, some are good, some aren't so good. Uh, I drafted Rush Hour uh, two weeks ago in the greatest action franchise of all time it's only right that i uh that i draft jackie chan in the greatest action stars of all time so i'm going with i honestly thought you were going to go with someone else um but i'm not surprised with the pick good pick yeah i mean like he deserved to be picked and you you have a lot a strong connection with the people you're picking to your action franchise draft which makes sense you won that draft too so like i would do like i would do the same thing <laughs> it ain't broke don't fix it baby and i like a, a underrated role for jackie chan that one of his first roles that i enjoyed and my dad showed me this movie way back when same with ricky flex it's a cannonball run one of the first jackie chan performances in history very funny movie if you, you haven't checked it out early on in his career for a second i thought i think i thought you were gonna say like around the world in 80 days or something like something crazy but (laughs) (laughs) all right and mr yeah mr irrelevant dr Rowe, who are you picking i mean it's tough i have one that's like an absolute icon that i can't believe would be mr irrelevant and that's bruce lee I, i think i just gotta go bruce lee as the like he's argued i know he's older and people may not have a strong connection to him but like it's be disrespectful if he didn't make this list right and we said like we we had a draft of the best like movie fighters of all time and he was the number one pick i maybe i picked it for the wrong movie instead of game of death i did uh uh, uh into the dragon which somehow tarantino hates i figured out that tarantino hates into the enter the dragon Sad. he hates that movie really yeah like he just he thinks it's garbage but he likes most other bruce lee movies but It'd be disrespectful not to pick him, but I had a bunch of other ones I wanted to take, but gotta take my boy Bruce Lee. This was the one I thought Nez was gonna pick. I, 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 I was like, about it. I literally had the B already circled down or written down here, but but yeah, great pick. I played with the idea, <laughs> and there, like I've heard some stuff because like obviously 
Tarantino, like I keep bringing this up because like it's fresh in my mind. I'm listening to like it's like Tarantino's consuming my mind with all these podcasts I'm listening to. But he, um, he was talking about Bruce Lee, his portrayal, like in like, Mike Moe's portrayal in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and how all um, Tarantino so did all funny. this. Tarantino did all this research for the character, and he said that Bruce Lee was known for calling American stuntmen very soft. Like he was known for saying that he would hit them, right? He'd strike them. You see all the stories on Twitter. He actually like, hit them, yeah. Yeah. And then the American Summit would be like, yo, back off. Cause like you're not really supposed to hit them. Like you hear all these stories like on Twitter, as I was saying before. Like you think of like Christian Bale and Heath Ledger, like him actually hitting him in the dark night, how it's a big story. Bruce Lee was doing mm-hmm. that for most of his movies. And he made, he made, like Stuntman kind of hated him for it, but it just shows how legit he was. And he thought of himself as an actual fighter, an actual fighter, which made him such a great action movie star mm-hmm. my hands are lethal weapons <laughs> all right right, right before so. we get to honorable mentions let me just read off our, our lists i have harrison ford sly stallone scarlett johansson jason statham and linda hamilton nez has keanu reeves the rock angelina angelina jolie zoe Aldana, jackie chan and Dr. Rowe has Tom Cruise, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Charlize Theron, Uma Thurman, and Bruce Lee. Nez, let's start with uh, the actress's side. Any honorable mentions left for you? Yeah, I got uh, Jennifer Garner um, and then uh, Michelle Rodriguez from the uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah. If you picked a fat Vin Diesel or her, there would have there been an issue. So I had a plan that like if my big board got diminished, I was just going to like pick Vin Diesel as like Mr. Irrelevant and say this pick is about family. But I, uh, you, should have, of- <laughs> you should have taken all Fast and Furious characters. You had The Rock, Michelle Rodriguez, yeah. and you put Vin Diesel. And then you should say at the end, why did you pick them? Because family. <laughs> family. Yeah. Even Gal Gadot would have been like oh. she was in two Fast and Furious movies or three. That would have been, been that would have been a great strategy. Yeah. Just the like whole, Charlize Theron. Imagine you had her too. Yeah. The whole franchise. Amazing. John Cena. Just throw it. I would have drafted Vin Diesel first overall. Oh, darn it. Yeah, that, was actually, opportunity. that would have been hilarious. Um, but uh, any others before I throw it to Doc? So men? Uh, no, woman, woman, woman. A woman? No, just Jennifer Garner and Michelle Rodriguez is all I had left because I, right. uh, I wrote Jenna, I wrote um, Angelina Jolie twice. Doc, how about you? So I, like going back to Kill Bill, I had Lucy Liu just because I love her as Oren Ishii. Even though I don't like a lot of her other work, I just love her in that perfor- in that character so much. Um, to go I'll more modern, me. Daisy yeah. Oh my god, I love saying it. Oren Ishii <laughs> and Lucy Liu. Like, I love saying both. Both. Yeah, yeah both of them. They're both great. Um, I Daisy Ridley for Star Wars just for a modern pick. I know she, it's like kind of controversial, but it seems like the role is pretty physical for her, like like wielding the lightsaber, everything. But she hasn't really done anything else to warrant her as an action star. Um, Sigourney Weaver is Aliens, one of the greatest like action movies of all time. Alien is more of like a horror movie compared to like Aliens, so uh, I didn't want to pick her. Um, Gal Gadot I had on here. I also like I want to do a shout out to um Zoe, Zoe Bell for her work in uh, Death Proof. And I think it's one of the greatest like work from a female uh, act actress in any like film. Like it's insane what they were doing. Like she's driving 80 miles per hour on the hood of a car. Like literally you could die. Right. And they're filming like the car straight on. Like they're going forwards, the car going backwards of them filming. Right. Like at any point, the car ahead of them, it's going 90 miles per hour could stop. And then like, what if their car stops? Bang. It's just extremely dangerous work. 
and she just going all out for the movie. So I respect it. Mm. Yeah, uh, you guys said a bunch, but uh, I guess just a couple other ones. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss, I was debating. That was like my big one I was debating. You know, just not like great body of work as in critically, but iconic character in The Matrix. So her, Kate Beckinsale, did someone say her? Um, I, like the Underworld movies, like those are just pure action movies. Those are pretty. Love those movies. Yeah, so that would have been, a, that was one I was toying with as well. Arguably um, fantasy. <laughs> And then, uh, all right, then let's get to the over to the actor side. Nez, any uh, actors on your board? Left? Yeah, so I was playing with, you know, Jackie Chan and two Bruces. So, you know, Bruce Lee got drafted, but Bruce Willis got left off the draft, which I think is pretty crazy. He was picked, uh, they picked, we picked Die Hard, I think, was Mr. Irrelevant in our um, action franchise right. draft. So I thought that that's what Dr. O was going with, to be honest. Um, and then uh, Matt Damon, I had Liam Neeson. And uh, and and Vin Diesel. <laughs> Who did I have? I had Chris Evans. Like like Captain America is doing a lot of the same stuff that uh, Black Widow is doing. So I like at, like him as Captain America. So I thought he'd be an acceptable pick. Although like he's trying to get more into those non-action roles, but he is just the characters he's synonymous with. The Gray Man too coming out. Will Smith is another one. Like Will Smith, like Independence Day, Men in Black. Like he it was a action icon in the nineties. Um, and then Daniel Craig as James Bond, the most physical James Bond there's ever been. Uh, I had Patrick Swayze for uh, Point Break. I, I, I wanted that really bad. Roadhouse and uh, Donnie Yen. I had Donnie Yen. Uh, who else? Uh, Tom Hardy is more of like not. He's not really into the action scene anymore, except for Venom. And then I had Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. He's so physical with that role mm-hmm. too. Uh, you see, like one of that one of the, one of the iconic. Um, videos of Hugh Jackman as him when he's like in front of the camera like doing the, vo- the doing the noises for the scene that he shot for Logan where he's just going nuts and he's throwing the claws and with his hands and he's, he's like Argh! just going nuts you know so uh, I, I had him on there too again you guys said a bunch of them but a couple more and some of them are jokes <laughs> um, but uh, Chris Hemsworth in extraction to go along with Thor so he's trying to he's still going to do Thor movies but you can see he's trying to do other things um, similar to like the old guard, another Netflix That'd movie. So, um, Mark Wahlberg, like he's like okay, and it's like Spencer Confidential trash, but like he's doing those type of movies. He's but fading I, on me. He's yeah, he's fading. fading. He's fading right now, which is bad. Um, Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris, like oh yeah, <laughs> like I thought that would have been an interesting one. Wesley Snipes, like I think that would have been interesting as well. And then just some joke ones. Nick Cage, my boy. And uh, <laughs> and uh, that's some, and then someone that was mentioned today in the checkup. Does I didn't pick it, but like I don't even know if this count would have counted. But Johnny Knoxville, what? <laughs> just all those stunts, all those guys. Those that, guys are putting their lives on the line. You knew better. You knew better than to draft Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> I know that's why I didn't pick that's it. But like though. I think those guys, like they're action stars. That would have made a hell of a clip, Ricky Flex, if you drafted Johnny Knoxville for the best action stars draft. They're that action stars. Clip, Flex. Like they do all their own stunts. <laughs> Christ. All right. That wraps up the top billing. I picked Dr. Steve o. over him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That wraps up the episode 45 of the drive in podcast. Thank you for listening. And please. Leave us a review wherever you're listening to this and then rate us five stars. 
after you rate us five stars, screenshot it, and then tweet it at us at the drive-in pod or post on your Insta story and tag us. We'll share your tweets. We'll share your Insta stories. Make sure you're uh, interacting with us. We'd love to interact with all the listeners. All right. Good stuff. Until next Tuesday, we will smell you.